0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic.
1: Hey everyone, we got a second episode coming out this week. We've got a lot of content, a lot of uh, guests already recorded here. I'm trying to get out, you know, some of this information here. Uh, you know, a little bit more throughout the summer, so probably, I would say if I'm going to hold myself to it right now, but be at least one extra episode each month throughout the summer months here, so just trying to get out as much information as possible in, in a short amount of time here, but this episode, I'm joined by Sam Soholt, so Sam and I have been trying to get together on a podcast for quite a while. And was finally able to link up with him at the Total Archery Challenge. If you don't know Sam's stuff by now, I mean he's an extremely interesting guy, and super good guy. That's just completely built himself, you know, from the ground up to becoming one of the best photographers in the hunting industry today. And it's just a pretty inspiring story that how he did that and. You know, nothing was given to him. He just worked for it and took the opportunities that were presented to him and really just built a life that, you know, a lot of us dream of. So I'm pretty excited to, to get him on here. But before that, so some news here uh, coming up here, not this weekend, but next. So June 22nd, 23rd, somewhere on there, that Saturday, uh, Pennsylvania is going to be hosting the backcountry hunters and anglers muster on the mountain which is basically their east coast rendezvous so a lot of fun going on there gonna have bands music beer um backcountry olympics and a whole bunch of other stuff i'll have my truck on display with the james Brewed tent up top people could check that out a little bit I'm going to have a booth set up there again with apparel. Uh, I'll be selling that and just mostly just talking to people. Also, I don't know the exact details yet, but I'm going to be doing some sort of seminar there on scouting mountain bucks. So I'm going to have a bunch of um, the latest Peterson bow hunting magazine in which I was lucky enough to have an article published on scouting Big woods, white tails. So I went, broke it down how I would look at a new piece of land, how I would scout it, and then how I'd put it into action for the fall. So that I was super excited about that piece. It's a, uh, it, it was a cover story, a centerfold. Just mind blown that that uh, I was able to write for Peterson's again. So that article, like I said, is you know just breaking down scouting mountain bucks. And so if you can pick that up now, it went on, it went to newsstands here last week. So you can pick it up at your local store or, and then after that, I'd recommend just subscribing to it, save yourself a bunch of money. Got a couple other articles on scouting mountain bucks coming out this year in Peterson's bow hunting. So definitely check that out. And so that event is what we have looking forward to here to kind of get into right before we get into the podcast here going to go over the the partners here that that help help me be able to produce this with the there's a lot of costs that go into it and some of these partners have been lucky enough to be able to help me out a little bit with that and as i'm able to help them out as well so the university of elk hunting Corey jacobson elk and Elk 101 have put together the most comprehensive elk hunting course available and I've I say I've been saying it a lot here on the podcast and some that'll be coming out about how I believe the importance of investing in yourself and you know there's we like to invest in gear and a whole bunch of other things which is all important to hunting but in reality when you invest in yourself that's something that stays with you and Investing in something like the University of Elk Hunting, if you want to be successful every year on a do it yourself hunt, or maybe you just want to do it once or twice, I'd highly recommend this course at uh, the cost of only $79 a year if you use the code East Meets West at checkout. It's uh, really great. If you guys have any questions on it, feel free to reach out to me and um, I'd be glad to to answer them for you as I've been going through the course, this will be my fourth year doing that. And it just keeps getting better every single year. And in addition, Heather's choice. So Heather has created these meals for the backcountry hunting, hiking, traveling, whatever it might be that are a healthy alternative to what else is out there on the market. It's not high in sugars and carbs. And in reality, it is high in fats and proteins what you need to fill you up and fuel you while you're in you know high intensity um, conditions where you're hiking a lot or hunting and they just provide really good healthy fuel sources for that and you know as the saying goes what you put in your body is what you get out of it so if you want to check that out over on heatherschoice.com you can use code West at checkout to get free shipping on any orders over $99. And if you just want to try out some other pack or some little sampler packages, you can go over to my website on the partners page, click on the Heather's Choice link there. That'll help show where that we directed you or I directed you to, the, to their website. So check that out. And lastly, Maven Optics. So Maven has been able to come out with the highest quality optics from rifle scopes to binoculars and spotting scopes. And they're able to do that at half the cost of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. So basically, they're the ones interacting directly with the customers instead of going the traditional route, which has really helped them create a customer service base that, company that is unmatched in in that field so check them out at mavenbuilt.com and if you decide to pick up a new pair of binos or the one of the new s2 spotting scopes little packable spotting scope if you use the code east meets west gift at checkout you get a free gift with that order so check that out mavenbuilt.com So let's get into this episode here with Sam Soholt at the Total Archery Challenge. All right, we're live. Total Archery Challenge, Seven Springs, once again, with uh, my buddy Sam Soholt. What's up, man?
0: Thanks for having me on. Not a lot going... I mean, it's... Can you believe it's the last day of May today? That's crazy. Like, June starts tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that is dude 2019 has flown by i mean i saw you last at what eta show which is already almost six months ago
0: yeah it's fucking nuts that's crazy (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's hard to believe man that that much time has passed
1: yeah and uh so you and i have been trying to link up for a podcast for a while and i don't know if you texted me or sent me a message on instagram the one day and you're like hey dude when are we gonna do the podcast i'm like oh when are you when you good you're like Oh, I only do them in person. I was like, <laughs> all right. So, me and a guy that travels all over constantly going to meet up. But, hey, it ended up working out here in the Seven Springs.
0: Yeah. I had faith that we would run into each other. Yeah. I mean, was- there's all, like, we do a lot of the same things. We hang out with a lot of the same people. Like, we're going to be at the same event at some point. I mean, it
1: was basically destiny.
0: Yeah. 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 Knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Put it out there. It's like the secret. You know, you just put it out there in the universe. Came right back to us. Hey, I
1: whatever you say, Sam, whatever you believe, well, we'll go with it, man. Great. And yeah. so I I met you probably three or four years ago at the ATA show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that or not. I came up, I saw some of your photography work and everything before and uh, introduced myself. And, you know, we've kind of kept in touch a little bit since then. Since that time, you've been doing a, a lot more and staying pretty busy.
0: Yeah, we both have. But, it's, yeah. yeah, it's been a crazy you know, since the time that we met, like you're right. A lot has happened. Uh, I think I was pretty much only doing freelance photography at the time, uh, just working for a bunch of different people in the hunting industry and shooting photos on whether it be product photography or ambassador trips or, you know, whatever a client needed. Um, I was shooting that type of stuff. And then, uh, you know, I decided to turn a bus into a rolling hunting shack. So that like kind of took up some time and <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and uh kind of took all of my photo stuff to the next level because it would got a lot more recognition just the bus became famous yeah and then my photography followed so yeah so
1: yeah yeah luckily you had good photography to follow right yeah I mean it's yeah. halfway decent yeah like, you know whatever I,
0: yes it's a strong medium
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding but uh so Sam I guess before we get too much into it do you want to give a little bit of a you know, short background of yourself? Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so grew up in South Dakota, just out on the Great Plains, went to school in North Dakota. I grew up hunting all the time, mostly waterfowl stuff, did some upland stuff when I was really young, but we really got, just went full bore on, on duck hunting stuff growing up. And then started archery hunting my uh, my last year that I was in college up at North Dakota State and really just fell in love with it. And to the point where uh, growing up i'd always been interested in you know film and photography, mostly like trying to film whatever, and made little snowboarding videos and whatever with my buddies but uh had some interest in it, had thought about maybe trying to do something in the you know hunting films or whatever and i uh started archery hunting and fell in love with it, and figured you know might as well try to Get some sort of a job within the the industry, and so I just started cold calling companies. Uh, any hunting show I could find a phone number for, any email I could get. I was just, um, I think I sent a direct email to the Sportsman's Channel. I mean, like stuff like that. Info
1: at Sportsman's. Yeah, Channel, I, I, I mean, I had that. no
0: idea what I was doing. I was just like, I'm a, you know, a master's student in business at North Dakota State. Like, I, you know, have a whatever, you know, huge interest in filming and photography and, like, blah, blah, and just, like, basically, it was just, like, writing out emails to whoever was listening and got an email back from Bill Winkie down at Midwest Whitetail, and I was off to the races, so went down and got an internship and have been doing stuff kind of related to film, photography, and hunting ever since. Okay,
1: and so the internship was kind of what broke you into it, and at at that point, you said you were kind of getting into, you know, film and photography, but were you... You know, at a pretty good level at that point. No, you think? not
0: even. No, I had a like, <clears throat> I had a professional video camera, but I rarely used it because I had no idea what I was doing with it. And I had a little point and shoot. I want. I think it was a Nikon little like, you know, just a little whatever eight megapixel point and shoot thing that my I got for Christmas. But it was like, really didn't do anything with. Yeah. it. Yeah. So no, I had no level of. Uh, no level of professionalism within the actual act of filming and photography. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. The,
1: so you kind of just, you're like, all right, I'm going to figure out what I can get to do this and I'll learn it as I go. Yeah. Like.
0: So the the camera came from, so when all, um, I got an older brother and a younger sister and when all three of us were really young, uh, my parents sat us down and they made a deal with us that if we didn't drink until we were 21. Or my dad made a deal with us. He's like, if you don't drink till you're 21, you can pick out any shotgun you want <laughs> when you turn 21. Yeah. So my brother didn't drink, turned 21, got a Beretta AL391 Technese edition, like super beautiful wood, semi-auto, like shotgun, you know, it was whatever, 1800 bucks at the time. So then I turned 21 and with my, with being interested in trying to film hunts and trying to, you know, I wanted to take it to the next level, but I hadn't really done anything with it. I asked to get a professional video camera. So I actually paid for half of a Canon XHA1S, was the. Okay. Uh, so I went from like a little Canon hand, like a uh, handy cam? A little handy cam to a Canon XHA1S. And it was like, you know, everything looked amazing, but I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about running the. Iris and the shutter speed and that, you know, gain and like I had no, knew nothing. So it basically, I shot some stuff with it, but it was, it mostly sat on the shelf. Yeah. Until I got the internship with Midwest Whitetail and then I filmed with it every day for three months or, you know, after moving down there and, um, yeah, started to really learn the ropes. Yeah. And how long was that internship for? It was like six months. Okay. So I moved down the summer after I, uh, I was still in grad school, but moved down the summer. I had a, online class moved down after I had finished all my i finished track I was a thrower at NDSU had finished up track and kind of was around for a little bit of the summer and then moved down to Iowa
1: okay yep yeah that's um so you, you kind of I mean in a relatively short period of time changed your life direction oh yeah <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> yeah no I, I mean it's not a lot of time to take it to a you know pre- professional level yeah
0: no it went it went fairly quick I mean it felt long in the moment Um, like when I was trying to really like when I went from intern to trying to do it professionally like or make money at it um, it felt like a long time but yeah like the transition between I mean I had no idea what I was gonna do after college I was getting I got an undergrad in business and I was getting my MBA and I was like I'll probably get some sales or marketing job within somewhere you know yeah like, uh, around Fargo, you, like, you know, could have got a job with John Deere or Titan Machinery or Bobcat or, you know, like... Yeah. There's all these companies that were, really, like, they bring in people out of school, like, really quick and um, just decided that... Wasn't for you. Yeah, needed to do something else and went for it. Yep. Hey, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I think that's
1: badass that, you you know... Decided that you know I'm not going to just go the typical route. That's not me. I'm going to you know figure it out from there. And so when you went to, all right, you went to Bill Winkie's internship and everything. Mm-hmm. So when that was done, what was like the next step? Like what did you do to to break into the next steps?
0: Yeah, so I uh, basically I finished up the internship and I moved directly to Fort Collins, Colorado. And my brother owns a backcountry hunting store out there called Gannett Ridge, and. Which I've Um, been in that
1: before. Yeah. 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 Josh wasn't there, your brother, but I... um, Went and talked to Tyler. No, Tyler was in there and, yeah, talked to him.
0: Yeah. So I moved out to Fort Collins and lived with my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, and uh, just worked at the shop and I um, started to build up their YouTube channel and I was making product overview videos for them and helping run the store and, um, like, I actually grew that YouTube channel fairly quickly. Uh, I think I did like 90 videos in that one, that one year that I was there, yeah. um, different products and like covered like the whole Sitka line and all the backpacks and all that stuff. And, uh, a lot of the videos became, uh, really popular cause people like at that point in time, people weren't doing a very good job of like showing what a product actually looked like in somebody's hands. Yeah. You know? So it just kind of, the bar was pretty low. So I, <laughs> I, so I did a lot of those. Um, and then there was a, a sales rep that would come into our store and sell us different different goods and whatever and he was looking for somebody to take over the sales territory up in Montana, Idaho and Wyoming and hired me to move up there to be a sales rep. So I took a took a job with a company called Elite Outdoor Sports. Uh that was the sales rep agency and moved to Montana and was a sales rep for about eight months. Uh, but an opportunity came up. I met a random guy at a coffee shop who was in, he produced a hunting show and he needed a second camera guy on a bear hunt and went up there and filmed that. And that led to going to Kodiak and filming for Coast Guard, Alaska, which then led to filming for the History Channel for about a month on a bear hunting show up there. Oh, I didn't know you did any of that. Yeah. So I lived on Kodiak for, uh, just shy of five months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I salmon fished for just shy of five months. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. isn't it
1: real quick before you go any further, yeah. isn't it
0: funny how like
1: timing timing yeah. is everything with everything. Things. You know, I watched a, a video documentary on Dana White with UFC before and he was talking about like how you know he went from zero dollars to seven billion dollar company, but it all yeah. had to do with a few things that were timing based and yep. you know, acting on that, you yep. know, when it happens, but
0: yeah. So it, funny. Yeah, it's just, it's those small moments that you have to be willing to see, you know, and I, I I got super lucky and just decided to, you know, like with that guy, my buddy Ian in the coffee shop, just decided to strike up that conversation. And, he, you know, he just happened to be, like, he was on the phone talking about video editing and he sat back down and I was like, oh, what are you editing? And went through the spieling. He's like, I produce a hunting show. And I was like, oh, it's funny you say that. I just got done producing a hunting show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so we just stayed in touch and uh yeah it's 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 always amazing to me how one you like you said one little thing and one little timing piece like leads to the next thing yeah. and it's just it's it's like that always and I think you got to be willing to see that open door when it's there
1: Yeah. like it's and kind of go, and it's probably going to be uncomfortable or, you Incredibly
0: know, uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Co- moving to Kodiak for five months yeah. probably isn't really inside a comfort zone of any yeah. sort. I
0: mean, moving from the, like a very cool job in Fort Collins to go do the sales rep thing. Like I was terrified and then, yeah. And then going up to Kodiak, I was like, I hope this is the right decision because <laughs> we'll see. But yeah. Um, yeah, but it all, all ended up working out and met people on the, those with those couple jobs that you know, one guy hired me, he would just happened to be the uh, uh, a media relations guy for Remington and Timney Triggers. Yeah, and he hired me to do a photo shoot for Remington. And then I met you know a pile of writers and editors and started, you know, I was shooting photos of them at these new product seminars and they were using all my photos and liked my stuff. And so then I started getting hired for different little magazine jobs and mm-hmm. and then that just kept leading to more and more jobs so
1: yeah and then as you're doing that you know you're building up your portfolio with all these things and just keeps you know snowballing from here now you know you're here at total Archer challenge filming
0: yeah now I'm, for now I'm here. rocky
1: mountain elk foundation
0: yep yeah so uh yeah it's just really cool like the path that it's led me down and the places that it's allowed me to go and people that I've been able to meet, but yeah, you know, getting to be come out to Pennsylvania and, and walk around this super awesome event, you yeah. know, and if, you know, if I'm sure you have listeners that have never been to one. And if, you know, for people listening, if you haven't been to one and you archery hunt, like it's worth going. It's I, before I went to the, my very first one, I actually, um, I drove out to salt Lake two years ago because, um, I do, uh, prime archery is one of my clients and they do a big photo shoot every year with their ambassadors and so i was i drove out to shoot the course and, and uh, do the photo shoot and i was like fairly intimidated like you know you're going out to this mountain there's going to be like 2500 people shooting on the mountain i didn't i figured it was like a really intense thing like yeah. people took it seriously and scoring and all that stuff and i show up and it's the most laid back atmosphere and everyone's just up on the mountain having a good time and laughing and blowing up arrows. Yeah. And just like <laughs>
1: it's A lot of that you know, going on. Yeah.
0: I mean, you just, it's a chance to go out and you test all your gear and you hike around a little bit and you just laugh with all your buddies and you know, you're shooting at a lion target at 120 yards and you, yeah. you know, and then your next shot is like you shoot a frog at 25 and then it like, it screws you up because it's all, all of a sudden it's too close. It's just, it's a really cool, really cool event. And, uh, yeah, I feel lucky, to, you know, that my path has led me to come be able to hang out at stuff like this.
1: You know, it's funny, like, at these events, when you shoot in your yard, say you're shooting 60 yards or whatever in your yard, and you feel dialed, when you come to one of these, you learn where your weaknesses are because you're shooting at angles, you're shooting in between trees, you're, you're getting your heart rate up from hiking through things. And it's just, this is always like it was my baseline event, to figure out what I need to work on the rest yeah. of the summer. I come here and I'm shooting these extreme angles. All right, maybe my third axe is off of my sight. I'm shooting right. to left at downhills or yep. maybe this is going on or I need to work on, you know, bending at the waist or yep. doing whatever it is. And it's just shooting these type of things just helps out. So you don't learn that when you're on your your first, you know, dream elk hunt or you get in, Exactly. or even shooting out of a tree stand, you know, things like that. It just really helps out. I I'm bummed I'm not able to shoot it this year, but yeah.
0: It's yeah, sweet. No, yeah, exactly. Like, I think the worst thing you can do is go into a season without, a, like, without confidence, you know, in your shooting and, like, being able to make the shot, like you said, at different angles and all that stuff. So, it's worth, I mean, now with how much Total Archer Challenge has grown, like, there's events all over the country. Yeah. So, it's not that far, really, for anyone to get to get to one
1: and i think that i mean that's going to continue to grow yeah i mean it's yeah. definitely going to like so in seven springs here sam this is your first time here yep. we're in the lower parking lot you know all these booths set up when i first came here five years ago i think it was five years ago now when they first started i worked for an archery shop and we were one of like eight booths maybe yeah. And it was we were like, up there in a little tiny yeah. spot we were the only archery shop now there's four or five here and like and then each year got a little bigger, a little bigger. Now we're in this, you know, big parking lot, and there's all this stuff going on. There's a bunch of courses, a four day event. Now it's just,
0: yeah, four day event. Mind. I think you've got, um, I mean, I think uh, today and tomorrow are for sure so- Friday, Saturday are for sure sold out. You know, I think there was going to be like 700 people on the mountain today. Yeah. You know, and they've got it all, like, you don't get all bottlenecked up. They've got knock times, and so it's all spread out, and then everyone goes up and shoots, and then everyone comes back and hangs out in the vendor area, and it's just, yeah, super cool. Yeah, it's
1: great. This this event, for me, is single-handedly the best one I can go to as far as meeting the people that are, the ones that are listening to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's just full of people that are, one, you know, dedicated to becoming better at what they're doing, and it's just... It's a great atmosphere to be yeah. at, you know. Yep. But but anyways, you were talking about uh with uh filming for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, what are you doing as far as
0: Yeah, so uh they uh so when, when I started to do the bus build, um outdoor life picked up the story and they wanted to do a video series and actually RMEF was the first comp like the first organization that was like, Yes, we want to be a part of it and so they actually sponsored and helped push the um, the video series out through Outdoor Life social media stuff. And so they've been supporters of, like, everything I'm doing for conservation from the get-go and just got to know those guys better over the last couple of years. You know, I had a, a film with that I did with Jason Matzinger that was shown at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's National Convention down in, in Phoenix, mm-hmm. which was super cool. And which that, one was that? It was uh, both sides of the fence. I, yeah, that.
1: Film was all awesome. I've told you that
0: before. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. That
1: film, that yeah. was great.
0: So yeah, we did that film together, which was super cool. And um, just over the past couple of years, have developed a relationship with those guys, and uh, plan on doing more photography and video for them, and and you know, hopefully being a little bit of a voice for them. And um, you know, they support everything that I do, and we're actually in the process of planning out a an elk hunt this year that I'm doing for them. They're they're working on a project that they're. That, that, the plan is to have this this piece of land purchased that opens up a really big chunk of public uh, in Montana. So it's a really cool project. And they do a lot for access, as you know. Um, They've done it in Pennsylvania. Yeah, here. They've, there's a
1: Game Lands 100, I believe. I can't remember the details. If it wasn't, if they made it Game Lands or they uh, something with access, but there's yeah. if you look on Onyx, they have it it's all RMEF. Oh, cool. And I read something about. It. I can't remember again the acreage or the details, but it was a big part they're inside the pennsylvania elk herd but also open up access for deer mm-hmm. i mean bear everything yeah. So it's, it's really cool
0: yeah now it's been fun to see like you know as a as a younger guy in the hunting industry like it's stuff that i never even looked at never like especially growing up like i it's not like i did a lot of research on conservation Yeah. Like, I, like admittedly i knew nothing about like the public land system and how important that was to our country and uh it wasn't until, like, all of that was threatened, like, all of a sudden you learn about that real quick. And, yeah. Um, so, obviously, obviously, I'm fairly passionate about public lands and keeping those public for everybody.
1: Did you, where you grew up in South Dakota, were you in a lot of public lands or around you?
0: Yeah, quite a bit, Quite hunted quite a bit of public for waterfowl. Uh, a lot of it was, it you know, it's not like these huge tracts of national forest or uh, something like that, but we did hunted a lot of like walk-in area which was all state funded yeah um you know or like the crp program um through the farm bill uh you know and a lot of like waterfowl production areas and just really small chunks of stuff but yeah i grew up hunting both public and private and you know then when i moved west and realized like oh i can park at this trailhead and just like go like forever (laughs) (laughs) uh really opened my eyes to like how like valuable that is like yeah just this place to roam
1: so what where i really was opened my eyes to it so i grew up and there's a t- everywhere it was like public around i grew up yeah. middle of nowhere had the allegheny national forest basically out my back door had state forest state game lands everywhere yeah and i just took it for granted when you go hunting you just go walk in the woods like it's just right there yeah and then i moved to the pittsburgh area and i was like struggling to find places to hunt and i'm like actually was in college and which is still towards pittsburgh i'm like trying to find places to hunt i'm like what do you mean i can't just go hunt here you know and then that's when right. i started appreciating it yep and and then realizing the importance of having that and that access and and yeah it, it i admittedly was the same way as far as i didn't know really much of anything about yeah what the importance of it was or what even you yeah know, and
0: like figuring out like how that's funded you know and like all that like like how we all own that, you know, because we are part of the society and we pay taxes and we you know we give back and we buy licenses and that type of thing all of that money goes you know back to yeah keeping, we're all invested in it, we're all invested in it, yeah, yeah. yep, Yep. Yeah. and
1: so yeah, you've obviously been extremely passionate with it with the the bus project, and I know you've talked about the bus project probably about a thousand times no it's
0: I great i love I love talking about the bus, and I love you know like i I'm sure there's people that listen to you that have no idea what I'm talking about. So I turned a 1993 Bluebird school bus into a rolling hunting shack. I mean, that's probably the best way to put it. Which was always my dream to take a (laughs) bus and do what you did, but keep going. (laughs) So a lot of people thought I was crazy, uh, but I was trying to figure out, you know, like the bus idea originated long before that, you know, it was you know, maybe we could use a bus for like a marketing tool for my brother's shop, you know, or maybe we could use it for a mobile archery shop. Uh, We had thought about doing that. And then it was like, oh, maybe we should just use it for like a 12 to 15 state turkey tour. We'll just rip the seats out, throw some bean bags in it, like, and travel around and shoot turkeys. And uh, which I finally got to do this last, this spring, but I'll get back to that. Uh, So, you know, finally just I was trying to figure out like what would draw, what would be the biggest attention grabber for people to want to look and see what I'm talking about in regards to public lands. And a school bus seemed like a pretty good rolling billboard. So I just went for it, bought the bus and ripped, uh, ripped all the guts out and rebuilt it into a mobile camper with a wall tent that sits up next to it. And it's a, I like awesome. how
1: you say it no so nonchalantly, like, oh, you know, I just ripped all this out and turned it into a big mobile
0: camper. I'm sure it wasn't that easy. No, it wasn't that easy. It was uh, – <laughs> there was – it was – I did the build in, like – the main build it took two months, but that was two months of, like, I'd wake up at, whatever, six thirty seven a.m., make a pot of coffee, pour the first cup, and walk out and start working on the bus, and then – I would work on the bus until it was too dark and I'd put my tools away and then repeat. And I did that for basically 2 months straight. So it was like building a house. Yeah. It was, you know, <laughs> it was just I kept telling myself I was like, "All right. Every board you put in today is one less you got to put in tomorrow." Yep. So I just kept kept moving forward and got it to the point where I wanted to live, you know, where I could live out of it for that first season and then since then I've been in you know improving and adding and changing and yeah
1: because you didn't have the wall tent at first did you no that side? was
0: one of the that was one of the first i had that on the first tour um, okay yep i got that done like literally right before i left it was finished up and uh i had i built the frame and then had a guy in a little shop in south dakota sew it all together for me and okay um that ended up being pretty expensive but definitely worth it it's well, like my that- favorite part of the the build
1: yeah, it's like a your own yeah wall tent basically yeah. that goes off it and a uh, base camp for everybody to come back to and hang out. Yeah, do you have uh, any sort of like a way of heating it, like a wood stove or anything? So
0: I have a like a propane fireplace. Okay, and I've thought about doing the wood stove. There is some legality there with like a like a air- fireplace in a vehicle that moves. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's some yeah. I actually had some guy that owned an, air, uh, an airstream tell me that they were going to put a wood stove in it and they couldn't for some like they couldn't cross state lines i don't know there was some weird rule so i went the easier out and bought a propane fireplace yeah yeah and then i have a wood stove in the wall tent
1: okay so yeah I, th- I thought you had a wood stove yeah. somewhere it was in the wall tent. Yeah. okay yeah which this this whole build was well documented of course yep. with you being a photographer videographer yep. and
0: yeah so did the most of the build through my instagram story and then took photos and whatever along the way and had a buddy film a couple quick videos about the build and whatever and then Um, yeah, just took off and started, you know, I filmed that whole fall by myself and put together a four-part series for Outdoor Life, which came out in December of of 17. Is it that long ago already? Yeah. So that was, that was, and then like towards the end of that year, I was like, well, that went pretty well, you know, like feel pretty good. And then like those videos hit. And then that was when the bus really gained traction and just kind of like It to the next level, like of people knowing about it and being interested in it and wanting to know more. And so I just put the hammer down and kept, like, kept going, kept talking about it, and kept driving and put together an entire extra year of a bus tour. And uh, left at the end of August last year and lived in it until Thanksgiving and um, hunted seven states and like throughout the course of the fall and then parked it for the winter. And then I just did a, like a nine state Turkey tour with my buddies from the hunting public and did, you know, it was raising money the whole way, selling shirts and, um, yeah. yeah it's cause
1: you have another company, public land tees, right? Where you're raising money for. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, uh, my brother and I are owners of public land tees and we started it kind of in conjunction with the bus project. So first of all, it, it helps keep the bus on the road, you know, it pays for a little bit of diesel fuel and whatever. And then, uh, Five dollars from every shirt, hat, or cup goes back to public land protection conservation. So I we donate money to different conservation organizations to help, whether it be lobbying to keep you know public lands public, or an access project, or a, you know whatever. We just donate that money back to different groups. And
1: yeah, because I I remember when you started that. Well, one I have the shirt that you have on the property boundary one, yep. which I think is a badass shirt, and. And I had called you to ask you about when I was starting to sell this stuff. I said, I want to do something similar with don't give him back. Like, how do you go about doing that? And I'm just a little bit different setup. But I started with BHA on everything. And now I started doing some stuff where I'm donating to QDMA. And I'm kind of, as I'd get different products and whatever ones I'd, really believe in the causes and stuff for it is kind of
0: we've done the exact same thing like i we started everything was going to bha and since then we've been able to grow enough to be able to kind of spread the wealth a little bit and same thing we're you know donating to bha qdma uh nwtf rocky mountain elk foundation delta waterfowl and then i'm sure the list will continue to grow as we grow
1: yep that's that's awesome i think that's cool how you've been able to tie that all in with the the bus project and then the shirts and And everything else. I remember when you were building it on your Instagram story, I was, like, tuning in. I don't watch a whole lot of people's stories. I just don't go through it much. But, like, I couldn't wait to see it. I love seeing people turn, you know, shit into something like that. And it was just such a cool project. I've always wanted to do it with a van. It's always been something I wanted to do. Well, you still
0: should. I mean, you're traveling out west all the time. (laughs) I know. Well, right now, I got the tent on top of my truck and the cab. You're doing pretty good.
1: Yeah. I I was thinking about, you know, adding to that. but. Anyways, it, uh, yeah, the bus project definitely blew up. Yeah. And so the outdoor life thing was kind of with a yeah, turning
0: point there. The that was definitely point. the turning point. Cause, uh, the, the first video that I produced for it, my buddy, Sean Francis did all the edits and I just sent him all the footage and I was like, we need one, like kind of like an intro video about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And like that video went out and I think it was like within the first week, it had like almost a quarter million views, like immediately. And then the other hunts came out, and like those got really good views too. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just that was that was like the big boost. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. And um, so with uh, the bus project, you've done, you know, so much with it. You toured with the, the hunting public. Those uh, that looked like one of really fun. Those guys looked like they'd be fun. Yeah. To, to be around. And, yep. and you had uh, you'd known those guys through your internship, right?
0: Yeah. So Aaron Warburton and I, uh, if, you know, anybody listening, if you don't already watch the hunting public, you need to go watch it. You, yeah. It's like the most authentic hunting content that exists. Like, yeah. and, and we're two people that sit in the booth and we're, we create hunting content. Yeah. But those guys, they blow everybody out of the water. Yeah. It's they, just straight up. <laughs> they, they do an incredible job. And all they do is they go out there and tell you exactly what they're doing. So they're like you'll learn more about deer and turkey hunting from them than any other show out there. It's it's crazy. So go follow them first of all. But yeah, Aaron Warburton and I were interns the same year at Midwest Whitetail and then Greg Clements was already a full-time employee of Midwest Whitetail. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh Yeah, those guys like again, like, I I don't I don't consume a whole lot of content anymore cuz I'm always busy doing my own stuff with it, but I love watching their videos, like and what's what's so cool about them is they're just straight up and honest. They don't, they're not claiming to be the best at knowing it, and they show they screw up, you know, more times than. But they oh, yeah. just they end up flat out. They get it done yep. and doing it in such ways you don't read about. And yeah, I
0: love that. I love. <laughs> yeah, they're just and, going against all of like the industry norms. Like, yeah, big air they're, quotes. Quirky, they're
1: quirky, yeah. they're a quirky yeah. like way of doing it. Like I remember the one time uh, there was a post on Instagram they had of Aaron or not Aaron it was um, Zach was, he was pumping gas and all his hunting gear Yeah, I laugh <laughs> because I've always been I'm the same way I don't yeah. I don't pay much attention to scent control when it because I play the wind and that kind of stuff but anyways it, it, I just thought that was fun yeah that I mean. one was
0: awesome I think my favorite post of theirs last year was uh, it was mid-October and they posted it was like the October lull has officially hit uh, just terrible deer activity nothing but nocturnal activity and it was a it was a trail camera video of them walking by at 3 a.m. with a deer on a cart like yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know they killed a nice buck that night and they're hauling it out in the middle of the night like nothing but nothing but n- nighttime activity
1: <laughs> yeah and just their their different ways uh, of hunting is just it's awesome whatever you know they hunt the deer in the environment they're in and figure it out they don't just say okay I'm supposed to hunt out of a tree stand That's what I got to do yeah. you know
0: yeah and each one of those guys is like I mean, not to just start, take, do this whole podcast about the hunting public, but yeah. each of those guys do, has their own style and they just do such a good job, like just stick into that style. Like yeah. Zach, like he could, if he never had to get into a tree stand again, he'd be happy. Like he just wants to hunt on the ground, spot and stock, doesn't matter where he is. He just wants to be on the level of the deer, Yeah. you know, and, and Warb like for better or worse, like thinks about, like is so intense on thinking about like the map and like the what they're doing and like analyzing every little detail of this spot before mo- making a move yep. and so it's just it's fun to see that like all those different now they personalities mesh together yeah. and
1: make it work but yeah so you were with them on the the turkey tour you know and and taking the bus on that yep. so i guess what do you what are you your plans for the bus are you going to continue to drive that around <laughs>
0: So (laughs) we're going to do, yeah, I mean, the bus this summer, I'm taking the bus all over the country. I mean, I shouldn't say all over the country. I'm taking the bus to three of the Total Archery Challenges. So driving it out to Terry Peak in South Dakota. I'll be at the Salt Lake event at Park City and then Big Sky. So taking it to all three of those and I'll actually be all set up there selling shirts and hats and cups and um, raising money for conservation and um, get to shoot the courses out there and then. I think I'm doing one more event in Minnesota in August. It's um the game fair. I'm pretty sure I'll be at the game fair in Minnesota, which is a really cool like uh outdoor like trade show basically. But it's um a giant like it's like the waterfowling and upland like show. Like yeah. people are gonna you know, people that duck hunt are gonna come to that show. Okay. So it'd be fun to go and show off the bus to that whole crowd and Yeah, that's you know,
1: a probably a little bit of a different audience yeah. than what you're used to. Yep. That's, that's cool.
0: And are you planning on traveling around this fall in it? You think? Yeah, probably do at least I'm going to do, I can't do the full tour again. Um, it's just not sustainable, like financially, uh, it's super expensive to run and, it's been super fun, and I've I've had help from really awesome companies that I work with on the photo side, and then they were wanted to be partners in the bus projects. So people like Sitka and Mountain Ops and Yamaha, and like they like saw what I was doing and really wanted to be part of it and, and helped keep me on the road. Yeah. Um, but this year I'll probably do a couple trips out of the bus, and then got a couple other things in the works that I can't talk about quite yet on the. Podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm sworn. That I gave I can't bring it. I gave up. a little
0: preview to Bo. Hey, maybe once that's, once that's all worked out like the next like well i'll hop on the phone and i'll do like an update
1: yeah yeah, yeah we end or what we could do depending on when this releases and if you got things ironed out let me know okay. and i could add it into the intro okay. i'll talk about cool. it a little bit for yeah. you
0: <clears throat> but yeah if i can get if i can get all those details ironed out on that project i think it's going to be super cool and um just something kind of along the lines of like like a rig you know like doing build out stuff and and making stuff comfortable like for yourself on hunts like if you're traveling yeah i mean i spend whatever 258 days a year on the road or 300 days a year on the road and so like i know i know what i like when i travel and like the things that i need and the things i don't need um and so i would like to be able to pass that down to people and like yeah yeah and
1: yeah a 93 bluebird isn't really ideal for a daily drive no. or cross country
0: is it not so much no that's the the bluebird is really good, like A to B. Park it, set it up as camp, and then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: It's probably not too good at hitting some mountain trailheads, is it?
0: No, it's not great. It's it's, uh, it's hard in it's not great in mud, not great in the <laughs> snow. Not. I wouldn't
1: want to have to get that out. No, yeah, have I'm.
0: You, have you got it stuck? Nope, nope. Knock on wood. It, I have. Uh, yeah. I'm very cautious though. Like I've come, there was. I've come up to some roads where I've looked down them and then like I'll hop out of the bus and walk like quarter mile down. And I'm like, yeah, nope, not going to happen. Cause there's, you know, like a real steep, steep bank or something. I'm like, man, like this is what I do. Like the bus is what I do. If I screw that up, yeah. what, <laughs> you know, you can't blow up the bus, Bo. You can't, you can't <laughs> blow up
1: the bus. All right. All right. I got you, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So you're, um, but with the photography side of things, you have a bunch of clients now that seem to be you're pretty loyal to working with and you know repeat customers on that side of things so do you do you do much of as far as filming people's hunts or I'll, is that
0: very little anymore uh mm-hmm. i used to film like obviously started in film with midwest whitetail and then filmed a lot of hunts kind of like those years a couple years after that and then made the transition to more photography but i usually film matzinger's elk hunt every year yeah i've uh, done that the last three years and so we're trying to figure out the the details of that this year. So hopefully back out in Montana with him. And we'll see if I'm filming the whole hunt or if I'm, you know, doing some other project related to it, whether, you know, some sort of a Instagram takeover for somebody or, a, you know, like yeah. to just kind of bring people into the hunt a little bit more. And I'd I personally, I like that way more than shooting video and then editing it out like months later and then having it out. I really like being able to... You know, with cameras now having Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, I can shoot photos, you know, I can shoot a starscape in the morning, like a, us getting ready by the truck, and I can pull that into my phone, do a quick edit, touch up some things, and post it on my Instagram story within, like, two minutes, three minutes of taking that photo, and so people really get a chance to be immersed in the hunt with you, and I, like, yeah. I find that super cool.
1: Yeah, that's why I can't wait to get a new camera body that has that Wi Fi capability. I don't have that now, so I gotta have a computer, yep. pull the S D card out and yep. so most of my story stuff comes from my cell phone, which yeah. you can do decent stuff with that for stories. Yeah, but
0: and I usually mix up both, you know. Yeah. But I I uh you know, and I've kind of, I've probably kinda of hurt myself a little bit like st- by starting to do that. People have started to like kind of expect me to do that. And uh it takes a lot of time. Like, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know, if I rip off whatever, 1500 photos over the course of a morning and then I'm like in the eyepiece, like going through and like picking out a bunch of images to send to my phone, then quick edits and then back up onto the Instagram, you know, like people that follow along, love it. And, uh, but it's, it know, takes a lot of takes, time. It takes me I you remember know, an hour out of my hunt.
1: I agreed to do, uh, Instagram takeover for on X and I'm like, Oh, that shouldn't be too bad doing that. And then I, you know, start taking it. I'm organized. I, I get it all. You know, I pull it yep. some images from my camera, some from my phone, and then I'm pulling it into a folder and I'm organizing it and figuring out how it's going to like tell the story and go through. And it's takes some time. It's a lot of work. It yeah. is a lot of work.
0: Cause it's all the same. It's all the same pieces as like editing a video or, you know, putting together a folder folder of photos for a client. Like you're doing all the same things, but you're trying to chronologically tell the story of how it all went down. And yeah. Um, i like I like the challenge of it, and i I love shooting photos, and so the more of those more of my photos that get out there, the better I feel yeah yeah,
1: I agree, awesome, yeah, it's funny when i when we t- were talking here a little bit before this podcast, I was like sam what do you what do you want to talk about what do you want to talk you're like, I like unscripted. Yeah. He's like, if we can't sit here and talk for forty five minutes and we're not we shouldn't be
0: friends, <laughs> you know, yeah, you should be able to do that. I feel like we've accomplished that. I so. think we did. Yeah. I think
1: we, we accomplished what, uh, yep. what I was hoping to We'd hear. We still man.
0: get to be friends. I won't unfollow you.
1: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll
1: see. But, man, yeah, I again, I appreciate you coming on, sitting down with me. It's been long overdue, and I'm, I'm glad we got the time to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, me too, man. And uh, hopefully we'll cross paths again um, in the near future, and we can sit down again and kind of – update people on where we both are
1: yeah hopefully yeah that'd be cool as yeah it's you know an ever busy changing it is lifestyle type thing that's right so yeah keep keep working at it man i like i said love your stuff really inspiring and you know makes me want to keep improving you know my photography stuff and and just content creation looking at a different different yeah. level and and helping out and giving back in any way possible and yeah. Ensuring you know hunting for future generations—that's that's for right. sure.
0: Well, if we, you know, if there's more guys like you out there, we're, we're going to be just fine.
1: Well, it, d- <laughs> it depends how you look at that, but we'll, we'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. All right, Sam. So, where can people find some more uh, information on you, the bus, and you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, if anybody life. wants to follow along with me and the bus project project i mean a little puberty hit there uh, <laughs> yeah if anybody wants to follow along with me and the bus project the easiest is my instagram which is just my name at sam soholt um usually posted on there daily and then up like during seasons i'm i'm on there a lot trying yeah. to keep people and like updated on what i'm up to and i'll do a bunch this year this summer uh throughout the events total archer challenges and like moving the bus around. i've got some upgrades to the bus coming so i'll post all that stuff so we um, getting that thing all lit up with uh i've got a whole like rig of baja designs led lights to throw on the front of it uh so then <laughs> oh, yeah. God. yeah which is great yeah know? like i like that. to be able to see it at night and uh okay so yeah so follow along there on my instagram sorry <laughs> yeah. i get distracted <laughs> if anybody wants to help support the bus project and you know protecting public lands and conservation uh Easiest way is just go to publiclandtees.com and pick up a shirt or a hat. I mean, obviously go buy some East Meets West gear first. Like, that's the most important. You're all fans of East Meets West. Go buy both <laughs> stuff right now. Do it. It supports him. Hurry up. It allows Running him, out of stock. It allows him <laughs> to do this podcast that you all enjoy listening to. But, yeah, uh, you can support at publiclandtees.com for me. And um, I actually have when – when will this air?
1: I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I
0: have to look at the schedule, so, to be honest. Yeah, that's fine. When This podcast might come out after it launches, but I have a, a five-part video series launching through OnX on the 19th of June.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, it will probably be after that. So. Okay,
0: that's fine. So this will already be out when that's out. If you haven't already watched my season from last year on the OnX uh, YouTube channel, go check it out. Um, just right on, on their YouTube channel. There would be a plus. Awesome, man.
1: Again, Sam, thanks for coming on, and, uh, yeah, safe travels in the bus through the summer here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, man.
1: All right, dude, see ya.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.